in his grace enough that we don't have to put on the mask when we come to church and pretend that we are what we're really not we can say look i got issues right here and other people in the people of god will say you know i do too what i've learned is the people who are the most judgmental of other people are often the people who are hiding the most stuff as well it's like it's an overcompensation In this Instagram world, it's easy to fall into the habit of looking like you have it all together, to cultivate an image that doesn't even hint at how broken and hurting you really are. But this isn't what Jesus wants for you. Today, Pastor Daniel explains that because of the love of Jesus and his work on the cross, you can be transparent and real about what's going on in your life. You're like everyone else, a completely loved and accepted messy work in progress. Here's Pastor Daniel in Isaiah chapter 52 as he begins his message, Jesus Foretold. One of the things I love laughing about in retrospect is how, as a brand new parent of our first child, Obadiah, how absolutely over the top we were about everything. It's like when you've never had a child before, the first one, it's a big thing. And I remember when Obadiah was born, when, we, when they had the baby shower, I mean, we asked for everything you could imagine for this little guy. We wanted to make sure his baby wipes got warm because God forbid a cold baby wipe got on that baby's bottom, you know? And so you pull out all the stops. They, everybody gives you everything and then, you know, you use it all. Or actually, no, you use about one-tenth of it and the other stuff just sits around after about because you're so tired from being a, a new parent, you don't know what you're doing. By the third kid, of course, you're like, I got a baby, I got diapers, we're going to make it just fine, you know? I was thinking about this because it makes me laugh when I think about it with the idea of the baby monitor. Because we're doing this series that's called Echoes. We're looking at how God echoes from history past into the present day and is trying to explain to us certain things. Now, I remember when we had Obadiah, when we got our baby monitor, of course, you know, you're trying to figure out because you're a neurotic parent, you don't know what you're doing, you don't want to break the little baby. You know, so you're trying to figure out, how do I get the baby monitor as close to the baby as possible? Because... You know, you're totally freaked out that, you know, if the baby cries, there's something wrong. And then, of course, you put the other monitor in your room. You got to be as close to you as possible. You turn the volume all the way up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? By the third kid, by Annabelle, we didn't even have a baby monitor. We're like, she's going to be fine. She's going to cry. We're going to wake up anyway. But I'll never forget because when Obadiah was real little, you know, we had the monitor all the way up. It was right next to him. It was right next to us. And right as if Obadiah even burped in his sleep, me and Lynn were like totally awake. You know what I mean? Because it's everything's so loud, right? And then obviously as you go on in life, you think to yourself, you know what? The baby's going to cry. If they really need me, they're going to cry loud enough. I'm going to wake up anyway. And that's how it goes. Or of course, for the moms, the baby just even sniffles and mom wakes up. You know, it's the maternal heart that God has given a mom. Now, why do I share this with you? Because I want to share with you today an echo from the book of Isaiah that is God wanting us to be so aware of who Jesus is that he's got the baby monitor times a million so that we see Jesus for who he is. See, 
When you're a new parent, you don't know what you're doing, so you want to make sure you don't miss a thing. And God knows that Jesus is the most important thing for us. And so God inspired the prophet Isaiah by the Spirit to write words that are so radically compelling 700 years before the birth of Jesus that even the most hardcore skeptic in our midst, when you hear this text, you're going to be like, whoa. You have to think about it. And the reason I can say that is because in a lot of ways, I was that hardcore skeptic. And when I read this stuff, I thought to myself, now what do we do with this? Because in the prophet Isaiah, you have one of the most overt, stark, most absolutely detailed, specific prophecies of the finished work of Jesus. Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection and it's there not in type and shadow. It is there in neon lights. It's like if you're driving in the desert in Nevada. You see Las Vegas coming from a million miles away, don't you? Right? All of a sudden, it's like it's dark. And all of a sudden, there's neon lights. And this prophecy is like Las Vegas. That's a weird analogy, isn't it? But this is, you can miss this if you tried. So open up in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 52. We're going to be taking verses 13 all the way through Isaiah chapter 53. So really we're taking Isaiah chapter 53, but I'm backing us up three verses into Isaiah 52. So grab those Bibles. I know it sounds like old school. One, you'll be carrying a book around. People will think you're smart. Two, little extra cardio, weighted cardio. You're walking. You got your Bible. Third, if you have a Bible, the Bible calls this your sword, and you want to be skilled with your sword. So have a Bible that you like. I know it might be old school retro, but it's going to come back in style again. It always does. And if you have a smart device, just open that baby up. I know that our devices are smart, or some of them. Type in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13, and we'll start. I realize not everyone's been in the Bible forever. The prophet Isaiah is easy to find, though, because the largest book in the Bible is the book of Psalms. There's 150 of these songs. Right? Then the next largest book of the Bible is the prophet Isaiah, 66 chapters. And so if you find Psalms, go to your right, you'll find Isaiah, you can't miss it. So it says this, Isaiah 52, verse 13, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations, kings shall shut their mouths at him, for what has not been told them they shall see, and what they had not heard they shall consider. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or calmliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Now, I'm calling this message Jesus foretold, because that's exactly what we're going to see here on every single verse, and it begins with this strange paradox that Jesus is the despised and exalted one. It's a paradox. Jesus is equal parts despised 
and exalted. And this is why I believe that Jesus is so controversial, not only in this generation, but in every generation. Because Jesus is not all exaltation or all being despised. It's this paradox, this enigma of these two seemingly disparate things coming together. And that's why Jesus is challenging for people. Now, it begins in verse 13. I'll break this down for you. Notice how it says that my servant shall deal prudently. And that means in a way that is prosperous, in a way that is wise, he shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. So his splendor and he's exalted. But just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of man. You go down to verse 2 of Isaiah 53. It tells us, and he has no form or calmliness that we should see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by man. So you have this idea that Jesus, because of the cross, his appearance was so mangled that Jesus would never have been chosen to be the head of the homecoming committee or or the beauty pageant, that there's something unique that's going on here because you have this man who has been rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, who is also at the same time being exalted, who's dealing with wisdom and splendor, who's being exalted. And so you have these two sides of the humility of Jesus and also the divinity of Jesus. Jesus is divinity and his humanity coming together. And it's really important for us to realize this about Jesus, that even though the cross, Jesus was crucified as a common criminal, put to complete public shame. This was also God's way of bringing people back to him. It reminds me, of course, of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, listen, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you see this? How there's this enduring the cross, receiving the shame, even though he despises it, he received the shame, but then he's seated down at the right hand of the Father. See, this is why Jesus is so important. I think this is also why Jesus is so misunderstood by people. Because people still in this generation can't fathom the fact that God's rescue mission could involve a man giving up his life for others. For some people, they're like, well, why would I want to follow a guy who got so seriously beat up? Why would I want to follow, as an example, the one who was bullied by the Roman Empire and by the Jewish leaders? But there's this paradox that's at work here. That even though Jesus is despised, he's also exalted. That this is God's plan. And really this embracing of the tension of the paradox is so important for us. Because all through the Bible we hear things like, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. He who humbles himself will be what? Exalted. And he who exalts himself will be what? Humble. See, we live in a day and age where it says, if you exalt yourself, you will be exalted. And if you humble yourself, everyone will ignore you. That unless you're first, you're never going to be first. And Jesus is like, no, no, if you choose the lower seat, I will push you forward. See, God's way does not make a lot of sense 
not only in this generation, but in any generation. There's never been a society that functions in regards to God's economy except for God's kingdom, which is an alternative way to live in the midst of any generation. But you got to ask yourself this. What's keeping you from Jesus? Now, I say that realize I'm speaking in church right now, that, that for many of you are like, well, nothing's keeping me from Jesus, really. Because here's what I know about the people. I'm speaking to those of you specifically who are followers of Jesus. I'm speaking to those of you maybe who've been walking with Jesus a long time, is that oftentimes we use our Christian faith to keep us from Jesus. We use our religion to keep us from actually walking with Jesus. Why? Because things like confessing our sins, things like owning our lives, things like saying, and when I say owning our lives, we know that our life is the Lord, but we have to embrace, this is my part in my life. You ever been in church and see someone blame shift, blame somebody else? Yeah, yeah. I know I'm kind of angry, but it's justified. No, it's not. You're just angry. You know what I mean? So it's really easy to play church, isn't it? It's really easy in the name of Jesus to keep ourselves from Jesus. Why? Because part of following Jesus is be willing to walk the humble road that Jesus walked. It's being willing to say, I'm not going to pretend I'm going to own who I am, where I am. Because when I do, God knew this about me anyway, and he's working on me still. See, for us, our exaltation in Christ comes from his being despised. And in the same way, when we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, God will lift us up. The way of the follower of Jesus is the way of Jesus himself. And God wants us to... Trust in his grace enough that we don't have to put on the mask when we come to church and pretend that we are what we're really not. We can say, look, I got issues right here. And other people in the people of God will say, you know, I do too. What I've learned is the people who are the most judgmental of other people are often the people who are hiding the most stuff as well. It's like it's an overcompensation, right? And so you start to ask yourself, How do I embrace the very paradox that my Lord lived in? Both this realizing that, I mean, when you look at this, his visage was marred more than any man and his form more. Like Jesus received such a stern punishment for us that he was wounded. His exaltation comes through that. And oftentimes we don't trust God's grace enough to be able to say, I'm not really doing so good. My faith is struggling right now. Guess what? I am involved in things as a follower of Jesus I shouldn't be involved in, but I'm going to be willing to pull this stuff into the open. Why? Because God is actually glorified and Jesus' glory is actually pushed forward in the world when I'm willing to humble myself. And even though it all feels wrong, it's the right thing. See, I love this because verse one of Isaiah 53 says, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The idea of the arm of the Lord, it speaks of the strength of the Lord. And I like to say, whenever I see this in Isaiah, it's about God flexing. So it's not like, oh, here's my arm. It's like the Lord's like, here's my guns. You know what I mean? (laughs) Now, I don't really have guns, but, but the idea is when Jesus, God's strength is revealed to us, we begin to identify ourselves with the one who was despised on earth by the world, but exalted by God. 
And it's interesting. He was despised, verse 3, and rejected by men. A man of sorrows. Jesus was acquainted with grief. And he says, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. See, this is a reminder. Remember when Jesus was arrested, his disciples all fled. Peter denied him. Why? Because in the midst of the humiliation of Jesus, the apostles said, well, I don't, I mean, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to end up like that. And we do the same thing today, don't we? Where, in a way, we hide our face from him. We, because of the humiliation that led to the exaltation, we say, I don't know if I really want to be identified with Jesus. And we have this idea, we kind of hide our faces, we turn away. But we're going to see next why it was so important for us to be willing to identify with Jesus. Look what it says in verse 4 of Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken. Smitten by God and afflicted, for he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This teaches us that Jesus received our punishment. My punishment, your punishment. This is why Jesus is the most important person who has ever and will ever live. Why? Because he received our punishment. Jesus being despised was not because of what he did. He chose to take what we deserve, the humiliation that we deserved, and he took it upon himself. Notice that word, surely. What does surely mean? Surely. I love when I say that. Everyone's just like, what does it mean? I mean, sure. It means absolutely, positively. He has borne, notice, he bore what? Our griefs. He carried what? Our sorrows. He was wounded for what? Our transgressions. He was bruised for what? Our iniquities. You see, Jesus stood in our place. Now, what's fascinating here is that word, but he was wounded for our transgressions. That word wounded literally means he was pierced through. Do you see how this isn't just like a slight echo? This is a megaphone on an amplifier, full stacks, turned to 11, if you know, spinal tap. This is Jesus on display. Everyone gets to hear this, that this happened. Jesus received the punishment that we deserve for our iniquities and our transgressions. He bore our grief, and we all have it. This is why Jesus is so important, my friends. This is why, no matter how culture changes, Jesus and the message of Jesus and the finished work of Jesus is the most important message in the world. Why? Because God realized that all of us, all of us like sheep have gone astray. All of us. The idea is that, see, sheep as a species, they herd together and they follow whoever in front. But all of us have strayed in some way. There's not one of us who has it except for Jesus himself. That's why Jesus said, I've always done those things which please my father. None of us can say that. Sometimes we've done things that please our father, I hope. But not always. See, God knows this about us, and God said, look, because you all, like sheep, have gone astray, that each one of us, we've turned from our own way, the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. 
This is why when I heard the gospel message and when the Spirit of God illuminated to my life, I said, oh, thank you, God. Why? Because I had become very aware of my failings. For a long time, we excuse our failings. We justify our failings. And then at some point you say, you know what? I just fail a whole lot. And God knows that about us. Anybody here who's trying to say, I don't ever make mistakes, you know you're lying too. And I'm not just being negative, I'm just being real about it, right? It's like, it's so funny, like, you ever have, like, an employee review at work? You ever have one of those? Aren't they the most horrifying things? You know why they're so scary? Because we all know we've gotten some stuff wrong, right? But what happens is we live in a day and age where we want to whitewash over all this stuff. Well, it wasn't really that bad. I only lost the company, like, $47 million last quarter. But the idea is, is that when we look in the mirror of who we are, it's kind of scary, except what you realize is that God in his love did this. See, what I love about God is he loves with full disclosure. He already knows this stuff about me, and he's like, I love you still. And even though I knew before I was even born, God knew every single breath that I would take. He knew everything I would do wrong, and he said, you know what? I know all of it, and I'm still going to send Jesus on a rescue mission for you. I'm going to lay on him the iniquity of everyone. This is what it's all about. Peter quotes some of this stuff in 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 21 to 25, it says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So listen. If you're here today, whether in our Southwest Portland campus, whether here in our Vancouver campus, if you're online, if you're watching this message or hearing this on the radio or on social media, here's my question for you. Why not return to the shepherd and overseer of your soul? Why, if you realize that you don't have it all together, that you don't have it right, and if God knew that he would do that, and he sent Jesus to receive the punishment that you deserve, why not return to the shepherd and overseer of your soul? Why not take that step of faith with the invitation that Jesus is giving you and say, I'm going to take that step in it. I'm going to allow God with all of my failings and all of my brokenness and all my struggles and all of my angst and all my existential dissonance that I have and cognitive dissonance and all these things that I have going on. Why not? Should I just not come home? Jesus is Jesus knows everything about you and loves you still. Pastor Daniel called it loving you with full disclosure. This is simultaneously scary and reassuring because being fully known and totally accepted and loved isn't something normal for us. People don't do that. That's why God's love is so remarkable. Today, Pastor Daniel urged you to take the next step and say yes to the love and grace that God is offering you. 
Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will continue to journey through the book of Isaiah to hear the echoes of God's message to us. You'll see that Isaiah lays out very specific details about Jesus and his death on the cross. These still stand as a signpost that Jesus is who he said he is. Pastor Daniel will share that Jesus wasn't focused on making sure that others knew he was right. His goal was to transform the world. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Echoes. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.